Today's episode is brought to you by From Within Records. March 24th and 25th is Hardcore Pride Weekend at the First Unitarian Church in Philadelphia. If you have not had a chance to grab your tickets, please head over to the From Within Records Instagram and click their link in their bio and grab one before it's too late. In April, Seed of Pain and Burning Lord are hitting the road April 6th through April 9th. If you're in the area, please support both bands. They're doing amazing things. And if you're not listening to the From Within Records podcast, please boot up your Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, and click subscribe. If you're not following From Within Records on social media, please boot up your Twitter, your Instagram, click that follow button to stay up to date on all the current news. And like I always say, please support From Within Records because they support us. If you're looking for high quality merch for your band, for your business, Please hit my friends up over at Good Fortune Printing out of Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania. You can follow them on Instagram at Good Fortune Printing. You can get in contact with them through email contact at goodfortuneprinting.com. You can thank me later. Before we get into today's guest, I just got home from Palm Springs. I had to go renew my passport. I'm going to Korea in May which is insane. This is a trip that I've been wanting to do for the past two years, but due to COVID restrictions, it just wasn't a possibility. But here we are in 2023 and things are a lot better. So I am very excited to finally be able to go to Korea, Um, but back home. So thank you for everyone that I got to see while I was in Palm Springs. Also, Thank you to everybody who came out to the show that I booked at Program, Sun Title, and House and Home, Pop Free, Spirit Dive, Stateside. It was an awesome night. And even with the rain, I'm really happy that even though there was like random crazy rain, a lot of people showed out, showed support to the local bands, to the touring bands. It was a very fun time, and I appreciate everyone involved thank you to stateside for helping with the backline thank you for sun title and house and home for having any interest in coming to orange county and i hope they had a great time i I hope they come back both bands are super awesome if you missed the show do yourself a favor go look up sun title go look up house and home and stream their music buy their merch whatever they're two awesome hard-working bands out of the richmond area doing really cool stuff we have another show coming up in march which should be crazy got prowl dose sanctify abstain major pain and all eyes you can go see the flyer on my instagram if you're not following my instagram you go check it out it's pinned it's Orange. It was designed by our good friend Nick Bertles, who plays in Anklebiter. He does a lot of awesome stuff, and I'm stoked that he was able to help out with that flyer. But on today's episode, we had to track down our good friend Josh White. Uh, you may know him from the band that he sings for, Exit Strategy. He might book your band some tours. He works. Yeah, uh, under state of mind touring, which is awesome. Uh, but I was happy to have Josh back on. We do a podcast titled Give Blood, and that's a big reason why he was on the podcast today to talk about Give Blood, 
the state of give blood what's going on with the podcast and things we have lined up for it it was awesome it's always great to talk to josh it's it's always so easy just because we're actually friends outside of uh, this podcast and stuff outside of the band stuff we're actually friends so it was my pleasure to finally have him on the podcast and be able to talk about all the things that we love so for anyone who has asked me about give blood in the past couple months um, you know, here's the update that everybody's been wanting. Spoiler alert. It, it's not over. We, we have some stuff coming up in the works. So I'm really excited to do that. It was probably one of my more fun things to do just because I got to just be the co-pilot. Like I, I, I told Josh from the very beginning, I'm down to do this with you, but I don't want to do anything. I just want to be your co-pilot. I want zero responsibility. Obviously I'll help you with all the stuff on the back end, but uh, Josh is the pilot and I'm just following along. So it, it was always awesome for me to be able to sit in and talk to these amazing people. And I'm happy to be able to continue to do that with Josh. It's going to be really awesome. So thank you for everyone who has reached out about give blood in the you know past six or seven months. It's definitely really um, appreciated that people still care after so long. So thank you from the bottom of my heart, but please go listen to, exit strategy go bug josh to book your band uh across the country or even have him book you in florida um uh, i'm sure he's gonna love that but please strap in enjoy this conversation without further ado welcome josh white to the show podcast josh white how's it going good very very happy to be doing these with you again yeah this is fun but i'll uh, obviously today we're kind of in a different role uh we started a podcast last year which uh, i thought was awesome uh i've been approached to do things before but just wasn't really feeling it um but when you approached me with this idea to do give blood obviously we're friends i like the idea and uh, we did it and it was uh, a lot of fun. We talked to a lot of great guests and we kind of stepped away and didn't really announce that we were not going to be doing stuff for a while. We just kind of stopped, uh, but it wasn't always a, a permanent thing, but do you want to give an explanation on where we've been like these past like seven or eight months? Yeah. I mean, we did the podcast when I was home a whole lot and if you listen to the episodes, I was talking about how I was going to start ramping up touring again. And then the last six to seven months have just been chaos. Like uh, I started going back on the road all the time. And then when I was home for a prolonged period of time, my dog passed away. And so I kind of uh, checked out because you know he was my best friend and it was a, took a, a pretty heavy emotional toll on me. I needed some time to kind of uh, figure my shit out and uh, get my mind right. And now I'm ready to start doing these episodes I'd like to at least do like two a month, you know, mm -hmm. moving forward. And uh, obviously the frequency can change 
and will change depending on what I'm doing because my life is pretty hectic. But uh, yeah, the last six months, I just was nonstop on the road. It's a wild. And um, obviously, before we started, uh, you know, having a friendship and uh, getting closer, had you been on the road that much before? Because to me, this is all new. And I always told you from the beginning that I'm in 100 percent but I'm following your lead. Like you, you want to go on tour, you want to step away for a bit. I totally understand whenever you're ready to get back into it. I was always here just, you know, willing and waiting. Um, yeah. I mean, for most of my like twenties, I toured like 300 days out of the year mm -hmm. and then I slowed down, but the opportunities were just too good this year. And I went through a good amount of like debt uh, with when Bart passed away. So especially at like the, like the second half of that seven months, I started getting opportunities. I really just couldn't turn down because I needed the money. So I was uh, essentially just in this like rebuilding phase of my life where I was trying to knock away a bunch of the debt and I was having cool experiences. Like I got to do, you know, uh, I got to fill in playing bass for Zabalba, who normally I just tour manage, but I got to go to Australia with them mm -hmm. and play bass. I got to go on a cruise with Under Oath tour managing them. I got to go on a Mad Ball tour with the world. Um, no Zodiac is a band that I joined. I don't know if I was in the band at the when we were doing the podcast, but I actually joined that, that band and I did a, a chunk of tour shows with Spite. I did, we did a chunk of shows with the Acacia Strain. Um, yeah then uh yes yeah, so it filled in for the the filled in for the world on a mad ball tour did a bunch of weekends with zabalba uh that was really cool there, i'm sure there's a million other things exit strategy played like the rumble in chicago and did did like a small like week-long run around that so i was just essentially hopping from one tour to another tour uh, oh yeah and then this rapper that i worked with big baby scumbag he did some shows and i went out and tour managed that so it was just bouncing it was fun. Man, I, trust me, I, we obviously stayed in contact throughout that whole time. So I knew how busy you were. Uh, we met up a, a couple times in California, which was always fun. I, I took you to my local coffee shop, uh, which I don't take a lot of people. So the, that was a, a great memory. Um, it was awesome. Yeah. And then we uh, hung out a, a couple months ago. You were here in uh, L.A. I took you to Ten the Planet, which which was a, a cool experience. Yeah, that was really cool. Um Everyone who rolled there rolled very, very good. So it was uh, it was nice to be in the middle of touring a bunch and get to get out and move. Because as much as I try to visit jujitsu and Muay Thai schools when I'm touring, I probably get to do like one or two cool ones a week. So that was definitely like a a bucket list to get knocked off, and it was it was a really great session. And so it happened to be a day that Eddie was actually in the gym coaching. So that was really cool to like say what you want to say about the guy, you know like some of his opinions, but mm -hmm. no one can take away the fact that the dude's revolutionary for jujitsu. So it was really cool to get to see and learn under him for a little bit. hundred percent. Um, so we're here early 2023. Can you forecast your schedule? Are you planning to be just as busy as last year or even busier? Do you want to scale it back? Uh, how are you going to balance everything this upcoming year? Uh, I don't think I want to be as busy, but I definitely want to be active. There's mm -hmm. um, all the bands that I play in are like, you know, No Zodiac is uh, releasing songs this year. Exit Strategy is going to the studio next week. So I want to play with those bands. 
anytime Zabalba goes out, I want to be a part of it. Um, that's like the main tour management client that, uh, not, I don't even call them a client. Those are just my friends. Mm-hmm. And when they play, I think it's really special. And if I can be on the road with them and, and uh, make their life a little bit easier and get to hang out with my friends, I'm always going to say yes to that. But uh, I don't know. I think that like this year, unless there's like, like if under Oath wants me to go out with them again, I would 100% do that. And, uh, but yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not actively trying to tour full time. I want to kind of sit back for at least the next two months and really be home and focus on uh, cutting back some of the weight. Cause I put on a little bit of weight back on just from the nature of touring. And instead of being at the gym three hours a day, I'm in a van eight hours a day and doing whatever workout I can pull off. So I'd like to at least cut the weight that I put on when I started touring heavy again. Um, and actually trying to target in the spring doing an MMA fight. So I think that like my, that's kind of my goal is to be home work, build the state of mind roster, um, just like, you know, get a bunch of stuff done. I'm working on a lot of things behind the scenes with the company. Um, I'd like to make it where it's not just me running things. And uh, yeah, so there's a lot of stuff I can't talk about yet because it's not solidified, but just really focusing on that business and focusing on training right now. And yeah, I will still always go on the road for the right situation or, you know, the right, if, if I need to, but uh, it's not necessarily, I'm not trying to be out like, three weeks out of every month again this year that's not really my goal okay yeah i i, I can totally understand that because uh i can imagine it being mentally taxing to be away for so long because obviously you have your home base out there in florida and you have your home life and i'm sure it's hard to balance that when you're not home as much if you're constantly in a different part of the country or, or even in another country so i i can see why yeah, and we just adopted this little French bulldog, and you know, I know Brittany wants me home, so I'm just trying to, uh, I'm trying to balance it. But I'm, I say this, but then you know, like the right offer will come, and I might be like, hey, I'm going on the road for two months. It's just the nature of this. I think everyone who does, who works in this job, will go through periods of like, oh, I, it's all I'm going to do to, oh, I want to scale it back. But ultimately, if the money's there or if the experience is right, I'm not going to say no. It's just, uh, kind of taking it as it comes you know i know the next three months though i'm trying to really be home as much as i can yeah i have a buddy who he sells a concert memorabilia like i'm assuming full-time i I hope i'm not speaking out of turn and i I remember i would see him post oh going into 2023 nothing lined up and then it's just like oh all right i'm on tour for like the next six months i'm just like holy shit like that's such a insane thing Cause obviously like nothing's yeah. guaranteed, but for, just to see it, uh, you know, just on a dime, he's just like, all right, cool. Like I'm, I'm gone for the next six months. And when it, he thought he was not going to have anything for a while. And, and that's why I say, I can't really definitively speak because I'm not done touring. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like tomorrow exit strategy could get offered a cool tour for like when the record comes out and I'll just say yes. Or like, you know, there's like some stuff with Zabal, but like that I'm 100% going to do this year. And like, you know, like, you know, I never in my life would have thought that I would have got a call from under oath, you know what I mean? But I, mm-hmm. I, I, I was on a, just got into LAX from the flight from um, Australia and I get a call from my friend Tim who plays guitar and he owns like the most badass uh, coffee spot in Tampa, shout out King State. And he was like, yo, would you want to help fill in for our guy for this emo cruise? And like, you know, like when, when situations like that, 
come up when I can get paid to hang out with under oath on a cruise and make sure that everything is smooth. Like I have to say, yes. So, you know, as much as I say, no, like who knows if those kind of opportunities are going to get presented to me. And like, I'm definitely one who wants to uh, experience life and and what it has to offer. So I I can't say definitively anything. Mm -hmm. You never know in this world, you know, you could also agree to six months of touring. And like, as I learned, like with COVID, when I was doing production a bunch, like I had, a calendar booked for six months out and then everything went away in two weeks, you know? So just, uh, it's a very unpredictable business and you never know when you're going to need to step up and rise to the occasion. And I'm always ready, but in a perfect world, I'm home in a, in a perfect world. I'm home the next three months. I record an exit strategy record. I solidify a bunch of the stuff I'm working for, for state of mind. I win the Tampa open for IBJJF. I win another local tournament. And I knock a dude out in an MMA fight in the next three months. That's my goal. We'll see what happens, though. Okay. I, I, I like how you have it laid out. But going back to this cruise, obviously, you and I talked about it when we hung out in L.A. But uh, I, I'm just curious, when you get an opportunity like that, how do you weigh uh, just like the experience versus like how lucrative it is for you? Because obviously, uh, you need to make money. Uh, which one is more important to you in a situation like that? Because obviously it's not something that you were expecting. It was just kind of thrown on your lap. I mean, the reality is under us is an incredible band to work for. Mm-hmm. Like I only knew going into it, my friend Tim, um, and I knew their production manager and uh, the drum tech. Um, and I was cool with them, like not super close with them but knew them. And then me and Tim were friends going into it. I didn't know what to expect. And I'll just say like that whole band, every single person who plays an under oath is fucking sick to hang out with. Like I only hung out with them for four days on the boat. And it felt like, like the first day I tried to be like a fly on the wall. Cause I was like, I don't know these guys. They're paying me to be here. And like, I get like, you know, Hey man, why aren't you hanging out with us? Come hang out, come have dinner with us. And it was like, you know, they were like a band that I grew up listening to. They're one of my favorite bands. And uh, it was really cool because sometimes you meet the people that you love, like the bands that you love, you meet them and it like fucking ruins the band for you. Mm-hmm. That should just make me want to support Under Earth even more. Like those guys are fucking awesome. And uh, I would definitely, anytime they need me, I'll help out because they're uh, really good dudes and took care of me very well. And it was like, it was a dream gig. I mean, I we had incredible catering like the work detail was actually not what I as crazy as I expected. Cause it was just the, getting them to and from things and, you know, going to settle. It was like a, it was a very smooth, fun experience. And it was my first time on a cruise. So it was awesome. And were you nervous at all? To, just because it's a whole new environment. You've never done anything like that uh, on a cruise before. Uh, I mean, there's a little bit of nerves when you step into a new situation, but I think that, the reality with anything like because you know when we do give blood you know the big thing is we talk about martial arts and and the intersection between them like the same way like when i got my blue belt and a week later i had seven matches at blue belt and i won six of them you know or like when i get a tour opportunity like that and yeah it's a little bit out of my league it's a little bit bigger than stuff that i've done but i just think that like i look at all those situations as like if you give me a chance to do something that technically on paper, I'm not qualified, I'm going to rise to the occasion. I'm going to fucking smash it. You know what I mean? And that's the mm-hmm. mentality that I try to tell myself. I think like there's, a, there's something to be said about like positive self-talk and projection and like, 
you know, cause you could sit, I could have easily with, you know, both of those situations just been like, Oh, like maybe I'll wait a couple months to compete once I got my blue belt or like, no, like, let's just throw myself into the fire. Like, Oh, you know, maybe I'll say no. It's like, regardless if I fuck this up or not, I'm going to make some money. And I know I'm not going to fuck it up. I'm going to only be so good that like, I'll get more, more gigs in that more professional, like outside of hardcore worlds. And I, I believe I smashed it and I have relationships now, like the dudes in the band and the production team and the management. And yeah, it was a great experience. Like obviously they have like a regular guy, but uh, anytime they ever need me or any bands in their like world that need me, like I can use that and uh, it can be something that's helps me get other gigs. And it was just a overall like incredible experience. That's awesome. I'm happy to hear that you're able to rise to the occasion because to step into something, especially something that you're not completely comfortable with, it can be daunting and not a lot of people like that uncomfortable feeling and the, the unknown. But for me, I, I think I probably thrive in those kind of situations even more because I love learning and doing stuff for the first time because I'm, I'm not ashamed to try something new and ask for advice or ask questions because I, I'm smart enough to know that I don't know everything, you know, and um, I'm, I'm uh, willing to, to ask the questions to get the answers. Yeah, Cause that's, I, I feel like the easiest way, like if somebody is better at something than me or has more knowledge in something than me, that like, I'm going to go to those kinds of people that have the answers and seek them out instead of trying to pretend like I know everything. And I think that's why, like, dudes who come from our world who come from like a more of a do-it-yourself uh scene and, and situation when we get roles in those like professional in those very pro situations we normally smash it because we're so fucking resourceful you know what i mean mm-hmm. like um yeah i i don't i've seen a lot of dudes because i do you know doing production for venues and stuff i've seen a lot of tour managers who really don't know what the fuck they're doing and they're in crazy roles. And I always tell myself like, all right, so this guy works for this band and he's a fucking moron. (laughs) Like if I got that job, I would crush it. And like now, you know, as some of those jobs have come my way, I have crushed it and uh, I will continue to crush it because I feel like that's like, you know, there's no other option. It's like do, do good or, or don't put fucking food on the table. You know what I mean? So I'll just, choose to make sure that I don't fuck up like my uh my best friend in the world John he runs American Barbell Club and their motto is don't fuck up and I tell myself that every single day like it's literally like the ethos I live by don't fuck up yeah no, it's good ethos and I, I'm, I'm curious too when you're out with like a bigger band or not even just a, a bigger band but other bands um like do you have to separate like those jobs and state of mind or can you go and promote that while you're doing that type of business i mean it's two separate things like i mean there are some spillover like for instance you know i book zavalba and i tour manage them Mm -hmm. Um, it's easier because i'm the one who did who who made the deal and did the paperwork and i'm on site so i can make sure things are smooth but like there's really no spillover with like in hardcore there's always going to be spillover with state of mind because we're a hardcore agency we work for like 40 hardcore bands you know what i mean mm-hmm. but when it comes to like some of the other stuff like you know i did uh some random like uh one of the dudes in every time i die was in like a 90s cover band and i tour managed that one time 
And there's no spillover with state of mind there. That's just like, I know how to execute a contract because I write them through state of mind. So it helps like in that capacity, my job helps me to be professional, but there's no, like, it's not the same promoters. It's not the same context. And it's, and it's very much definitely like a different context completely. Like when I'm doing that stuff or like more metalcore stuff, like, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely some spillover when it comes to like me going on a, you know, a tour with hardcore bands for sure. Okay. Interesting. Um, and you mentioned going to Australia. That, that's something that um, I would love to do someday. Obviously, it's really far. But uh, for you, was that your first time traveling to Australia? Yeah, that was like it, probably in like 2018. I told myself I was never touring again, which didn't last long. But there was one thing that was like still heavy on my bucket list. And that was to do Australia. And originally when Zabal, we got the Australia offer. Um, I was just like going to go and hang out because I wanted to go. And those guys were like, you know, my family. And then it ended up where they were already got my ticket. They had already got my ticket. So since they already got my ticket, when Alfredo couldn't play, it was like, well, can you just play bass for us? Mm-hmm. So it was pretty funny. Like I, I just got to be the role of playing for the band that I normally work for. And it was really fun. It was probably the most fun I've ever had on tour in my life. Like just celebrating 15 years, you know, with dudes that I, I think the world of (laughs) traveling to Australia and going, like we had a driver, like we didn't have to do any of the driving there was, you know, catering. And it was just, it was a smooth, easy tour. And I just got to hang out with my friends and play bass. It was awesome. Definitely like, out of my entire probably 20 years of touch and go touring, uh, it was probably the best experience I ever had. It was awesome. That sounds like a lot of fun. Like just watching, oh, just a lot of uh, MMA events going down there. I have a lot of, uh, you know, favorite fighters from down there. It's like one place I've always wanted to get to. So I'm happy that you're able to experience and I hope one day I'm able to get down there and do cool stuff. Yeah, ultimately, man, like as though this year was like, I I would tell, I would say if you talked to me like a month ago or two months ago, it was the worst year of my life. But when I look at it, like there was so much incredible stuff that happened. Like there was definitely like a lot of highs and a lot of like real, real deep lows. Um, But, but when I look at it, like I did a lot of cool shit and, I'm super thankful. And I have to remind myself, like, you know, because where I wanted to be last year is I wanted to, you know, be farther along in my jujitsu journey by this time this year. Cause I had seen so much fast growth with that, you know, and I um like I wanted to see the podcast grow and I want to, but you know, ultimately I'm doing so much stuff and I have to remind myself like success isn't linear. You know what I mean? Like you'll have moments of like extreme everything works and everything feels right. And you're seeing just massive growth and exponential, you know, change. And then you'll have these plateaus. And I think to me, like what I've been reminding myself, especially the last like three weeks to a month of just being home and, and like trying to hyper focus on what's next for me is I've realized that in those plateau moments, when you feel stagnant or when like, you know, maybe you even went back down the hill, maybe you've rolled back a little bit. 
that like success isn't linear and growth isn't linear. And like the people who fucking give up and go back down the hill once they've hit the plateau, uh, that never just experience grinding out and waiting out like the, the fucking, the, the stagnation, you know, they'll never experience the top of the mountain. So like, for me, I'm trying to focus on like, uh, if this makes sense, like I'm just trying to focus on like getting my mind right, uh, refocusing on everything in my life and like, uh, getting back on the climb, you know, cause I felt like I was climbing, climbing, climbing dead stop for a second. And now I'm climbing again, you know, and I'm, I'm starting to feel like myself again. It was great. Like, you know, it's, uh, with all the good, there was a lot of craziness that happened in the last couple of months. Yeah. I, I think those moments when you plateau or you feel like you're, you know, kind of falling down, I, I think those moments are important because I, I always like when I get in those moments, I, I kind of give myself the option like, yo, are we going to give up and just accept where we're at and be content with it? Or are we going to, you know, have to, you know, suck it up and grind and try to, you know, continue to get to where I want to be, right? Because where we're at, it, you know, we had to work to get here and I don't want this to be the end. And I always got to remind myself that. Uh, nothing's going to come easy. So in, in, in those moments, I, I always had to remind myself, okay, like the, this is like that point where I'm like, okay, I can give up and just throw everything away and just, you know, regret it later. Or I can just continue and, uh, you know, do the uncomfortable stuff and try to make things work and keep grinding and uh, put in more work because I could easily get content and be happy with what I have. But it's like, I always want more. Because, you know, I just feel like there's no ceiling to what we're doing, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. I mean, and that's where it was, is like, on the outside, if you didn't really know me, like, you would think, like, damn, like, like this dude was crushing it this year. But real the reality was, like, I got to, especially in August, I talked about this, and I, I like being super upfront, because hopefully anybody listening to this if you can relate to it or if you know you're going through it, like I, I hope to be a source of, you know, encouragement is like, yo, in August, I didn't know what was going on with my mom. Like she was going through chemotherapy that was stressing me out. Um, you know, my dog who was like my world, he was diagnosed with aggressive cancer and we told him he had a couple months to live. So like I turned down a bunch of work. Um, and I spent a bunch of money. I took him on a road trip to North Carolina to go see the mountains. And the family spent time with him and we just walked with him and actively, you know, like let him have a really, really good month or not a month, a really good week. Cause we knew that his time was short. And, you know, during that another tumor came out on his foot. So every single day I was nursing my dog that I knew was going to die that was the most important relationship I had in my life. I was nursing his bandages every two, twice a day to three times a day, knowing, like not knowing what to do. Like he was bleeding. I had to get him home. Like, and I spend the last month of his life. Like we had to change his bandages twice a day because his foot was rotting from cancer and he had cancer in his spleen. And then, you know, meanwhile, that's happening. I'm worried about my mom. We don't know, you know, and the uncertainty because I had struggled with anxiety. And when I don't know what's going to happen and I can't control a situation, I start to spiral. And so I didn't know what was happening with my mom. And then uh, 
I went on a tour because I needed to make some money because I just hemorrhaged so much money to take care of him. And I came home from the tour and like, I think the next day of me coming home, he started like falling down. He was walking. It was like, he was waiting for me. And, you know, he died in my arms and four days later I had to go on tour with exit strategy. And then I went to Australia and, you know, I remember like with that. And then as I leave for the exit strategy weekend, my aunt who helped raise me dies. And so like, I was like in paradise, like in Australia, struggling with depression. You know what I mean? And it's like my, the strength of my friends. Like I made a post yesterday on my on my uh, Instagram, and, and I and I mean it. Like in my friend Hoodrich makes these like uh, crucified skinhead rosaries. Uh-huh. Um, they're awesome. They have like the Fred Perry laurel on them, and then like a crucified skin instead of a cross. And like that day. I was at the rumble. I was fucking a wreck, but I was there because I didn't want to. All my dudes took off work to go play the show and to do the tour. So I wasn't going to leave them hanging. So I went to play these shows and I just wasn't mentally in a good spot. And, um, you know, I get there and my friend, he knows what I'm going through. And he hands me this like little box that has like a crucified skinhead on it. And it says never alone. And inside the box was a rosary and some pins and stickers. And like, I made a post yesterday about it because it's, it really resonated with me. Like, you know, my friends that weekend were checking in on me and making sure I was okay. The dudes in exit strategy, my brothers in no Zodiac, they all were checking in on me that weekend. And then I, I went from like, you know, we were playing and then all my friends in that band risk were there. And, you know, Luke from the killer and, you know, there's just a bunch of dudes in Chicago that were just looking out for me. And uh, making sure that I was all right, because they knew I was fucking going through it, you know. And my friend Hannah was there and she like was letting us stay at her house and she was checking on me. And there was just like in Chicago in that moment, being around friends is what kept me safe, like kept me sane, you know. Um, Then I left that tour and I flew to meet Zabalba and I was around Zabalba and, you know, Nate is one of my all the guys are like very close to me, but Nate is like one of my closest friends. And I sat with him on a flight on my birthday when I wanted to be depressed. Like I had my friends, you know, not like physically be like, Hey, Josh, it's going to be okay. Just their presence encouraged me and built me up. And I realized like through, through the, all that shit, like the thing that kept me sane was the relationships I have. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was like, a very, very tumultuous time in my life. And I'm very thankful for my friends in hardcore who helped pull me out of it and help get my mind straight. Cause like there were situations where like I had to have some real hard conversations throughout all of it. And uh, I feel like now coming out of this, like my mind is completely like back on track to where I was before everything happened. But like, you know, not, like I said, none of this shit is, is linear. And there's like with mental health, like, if you would have talked to me before all that should happen, I was in the best spot I'd ever been mentally. You know, I, I'd been the best spot I'd been dealing with my bullshit. I was dealing with my childhood trauma. I was dealing with a lot of stuff. And then all this shit happens. And I just fucking spiraled. And I, and I literally like, you know, wasn't myself for five months. And like now that I'm coming out of that or I've come out of that at large, I feel like um, 
just to encourage people, like if you don't have friends around you that will like be your friend, not when it's just fucking convenient. Like the people that I have in my life, you know, like, 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 like hood riches box says never alone. I fucking, I know that I've never alone. I know I have people in my life that I can call when I need to, and they know that they can call when they need me. Friendship isn't always convenient. And like, sometimes I think we live in such a, um, instant gratification with hardcore where we meet somebody at a fest one time and become social media friends and that's our bestie. But then like the second, like we get into an argument, so you fuck that person. Like I see that shit all the time, the pettiness. And it's like, yo, like I feel fucking terrible for anybody who that's what their standard for friendship is. Cause my standard for friendship is, you, you know, if you're my friend, you can call me at one o'clock in the morning and I'm there for you. You know what I mean? If you're my friend, whatever you need, I'm going to fucking do it. And I know, and I saw it because like so many people in my life could have been like, dude, this dude's a fucking wreck right now. Let's just like, fuck him. You know what I mean? But like they didn't, the people that I hold dear to my, to me were uh, extremely loyal and extremely um, encouraging through that. So yeah, like, and now that I'm, you know, moving forward and pushing on i just want to like uh encourage anyone that's going through it like make sure you have good friends and uh if you feel like you're stagnant if you keep pushing and you keep pushing and like you keep work doing the work even when you're stagnant because like i was depressed as fuck and i was still doing and journaling and going through the mental stuff that i needed to go through to get my mind right and damn i came out of this whole six months with like a very like almost like a new lease on life and a fresh perspective you know yeah when you're you know down bad and going through those rough moments uh it's like bittersweet but you, you kind of find out who your real friends are and sometimes you need that because the lines can get blurred and you think uh you have this uh you know friendship with somebody and then they can't even check in on you when you're going through it uh and you know that, that to me that says a lot because it's not that hard to you know pick up the phone which we're all on all the time to shoot a text give a call or, or anything um so it, it, it is rough and it does suck sometimes but yeah if you don't have people uh, like around you that actually care for you i, I like highly suggest you go uh, try to get some real friends because uh, just having just that solid foundation of people that you can lean on can change the world like i, I got a text the other day i was feeling a little insecure about some bullshit and just one text and they didn't even know that they uh, changed like my whole mood just by this one text. I'm like, damn, this person actually cares. Yeah. And like, that's the, that's the crazy shit is that it's sometimes just the minutia of like, yo, know, like when I'm in LA and I hit you up and me and you go to sweet chick and kick it. Like sometimes just like being around a friend after a fucking stressful ass week on the road can be like the, the make or break of the, of the week. You know what I mean? Like sometimes just that like little resolve of spending time with somebody I care about. Like this weekend was great. You know, we had FYA here and I got to be on the receiving end of that. I got to put all my friends up at my house and kind of, you know, make sure that the guys who drank and smoke had what they, what they would, you know, partake in and make sure that, you know, everyone that was at my house was comfortable and taken care of because I'm the guy who's always on the road and relying on the the um, generosity of my friends. So it was very nice to reciprocate and have people that I love come to my house and take care of them. 
because that's what friendship is. It's not one way. Like it's, it's, you know, the, the same way that my friends bear my burdens, I bear their burden. I take care of them the same way that when I'm, you know, traveling in there's certain cities, I know that no matter what I need, I'm taken care of. Like when those people are in my city, I want to do the same thing to them. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like Jamie, if you ever come to Tampa, you're good. You know what I mean? That you come to my house, you got a bed to sleep in, you got food in my fridge. Like what's mine, what's mine is my friends, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, it was awesome. FYI was fucking sick. Bob did a really good job. The pre-show was great, but more so it was just really like a, to me, a celebration of friendship. Yeah. And uh, one thing I, I do appreciate about you is, uh, you know, you call me when you're in town. I'm like, okay, cool. That that's awesome. Cause I have uh, a, a ton of uh, friends who will roll through and for whatever reason, they don't hit me up. And uh, I, I'm like, all right, that's fine. I, I get it. But for someone like you to actually make time and for me to go out on like a work night where I, I literally don't want to do anything because uh, I got you know my own shit. But when when you hit me up, I'm like for sure I'm I'm going out. I don't care. I'll drive to downtown LA. I'll circle that damn hotel ten times trying to find parking. We'll, we'll make it happen. Yeah, and that's and that's and obviously there's sometimes where I'm in LA or I just physically don't have time or I'm too burnt out. I want to do nothing. But yeah, like I try to at least check in when I'm in the area. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like, that's that's what it's about. It's like just. Uh, you know, trying to, when you can make sure that you spend time with the people you love, you know, hundred percent. Cause, uh, you know, if you call me, I'm fucking a phone call away always, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I definitely appreciate that. Um, and you, you mentioned FYA and I, I'm curious about the, the, the pre-show you, you have a hand in booking that, correct? Yeah. So, uh, me and my, my good friend from John from ABC, we do that. And like, he had his hands, very tied this year and he's um someone that i'm very uh i'm very thankful for like i said he's my best friend in the world and he asked me just to put the lineup together so i just put together a bunch of bands that i love and it was all my friends bands or and bands i work for and it was fucking awesome we did uh the know the score they're back so we had their second show back in a long time that was great uh we had the banner that's uh, a band that I love and my dude, John, you know, he, um, he was really psyched on that. And they had, I didn't know how the set was going to go. Like I knew that people would like them, but you know, just the other bands, I wasn't sure what to expect. And they had one of the standout sets of the night. Um, then I had the Vamakara momentum tour that I booked. I had that come down. I, so I kind of, uh, booked them on the fest, then we routed shows around the fest for them to play. And god damn, those bands are both so fucking good. California is is untouchable. You know, we were at for, I was at for the children and all the California bands I watch, it's like, you know, there's like something in the water there. There's just nothing but good bands. But yeah, having getting to watch the tour that I booked play at such a packed out room, it was really cool. Like Vamakara with Gage singing is like a whole new animal because you know, mm-hmm. like, um, before with Alex, it was cool, but you know, it's it's much better with Gage, and I think the band has become something massive. And then Momentum, obviously, they're like one of my favorite 
uh, young bands, great dudes. They work fucking hard and they probably them and them and Vom had like the, the craziest set of the whole fest uh, of the whole pre-show of the fest. Then we also had Missing Link. That was incredible. Uh, Bruce from 100 Demons did a 100 Demons song with them. So that was really cool. Um, then we had Risk, which is another band that I'm just like super psyched on. Like they're playing a bunch of fast. They're doing a bunch of awesome stuff, but they're just fucking great people. And they're playing, you know, a, a sound of hardcore that a lot of bands aren't doing now. And I think that they do it really well. They crushed it. Um, who else played? We played. Set was fun. Um, and then uh, Domain opened it, and they set that shit off. Shout out Domain from South Florida. Yeah, the, the pre-show was was incredible. It was uh, exceeded all my expectations. It's cool. And is it weird for you to play your own show, especially since there's so many bands on it? No, I mean we play. We've played it a couple times. It's fun. Like my dudes want to play. Want to play shows in Tampa and. It was uh, definitely a really good show for us. It always is. And uh, yeah, it was fucking great. No complaints. It is stressful working, though, and then playing a set, too. I can only imagine. Like, the the few shows that I've booked, just trying to make sure things are running smooth and people asking me questions. People trying to... The, the, the one thing that I hate is when people try to hang out with me, and I'm just like, all right, I'm, like, I get it. It's nice to see you. But I'm busy right now. I can't just hang out. Like I, I got to make sure this whole ship is running smooth. So like, let's hang out after or something. No, but not right now. Go away. Yeah, it's rough. But okay. Um, and you mentioned exit strategy uh, about to hit the studio. What can we expect? Is it going to be an EP or do you guys have a whole full length lined up? What's the plan? I think it's six or seven songs that we're going to do. It's uh, I'm really excited for it. We're tracking it next week. Um, yeah, it's going to be great. Uh definitely creatively my favorite stuff that i've ever been a part of writing so can't wait for people to hear it and do you have a whole rollout already planned or is that uh you know going to come after you guys finalize all the recording stuff we're going to record and we're working on stuff i think so during the last six months i wrote another book um of poetry so i'm (laughs) debating on releasing it separately or releasing it with the record because the theme of the record is pretty dark obviously after what the last couple months of my life looked like mm-hmm. um, so I'm debating on yeah I'm debating on doing the book with the record or separately but I like the idea of kind of doing like a 7 inch with a book so like that's kind of like the, the loose thing but who knows what it'll look like when it's actually ready to come out you know I like that I, I, I like when bands uh, put a little more attention care to you know releasing their record because obviously I, I'm a huge fan of uh, k-pop and like every album um, you also get the CD but there's so much more that comes with it so there's like a, a little more like sentimental value when I think about these records so when I hear a hardcore band doing something special that always gets me excited absolutely okay yeah I mean th- that's what I'm thinking of you know I guess it like the book you know, wouldn't it be like you have to get the book, but I, I'd like to have that like in a perfect world, that would be like one of the pre-order options you can get a book to. Yeah, I, I think that's awesome. And and these poems, are, are these like super structured or are these just things that you've written down um, in the moment? 
Uh, I mean, I write regularly. I already released a poetry book during the pandemic. So it would just be kind of like that, you know, just, uh, you know, some of it is like very, very thought out. Some of it is just blurbs. Some of it's just like almost like journal entries. But just, you know, my thoughts during a um, pretty crazy time in my life. And I just, to me, art, um, whether it be music or poetry has just been like the main the the main piece of catharsis for me it's been the easiest way for me to get through sometimes i can write a poem and figure out how i feel before i can process what my actual feelings are i'll just write and you know from you know the abundance of the heart i guess the pin flows you know and yeah. i'm able to process how i feel a lot of times just through writing that's awesome. I, I feel like I get that just through uh, talking to people every week. It's just like, all right, cool. I can uh, just uh, talk people's ears off. Uh, and it's obviously for the podcast, but at the same time, it's like, cool. I love talking. So the fact that I get to do this a couple times a week, uh, it's, it's like the one that's like the one thing that I really look forward to. Yeah, it's awesome. I love the podcast. It's great. Thank you. I love Give Blood. I'm looking forward to see who you have lined up because um, here we go. I'm peeling back the curtain. All the guests that we've had on, uh, Josh has uh, you know, been the reason why they're on. So I'm very much looking forward to you know, the future of this because I had fun and I'm looking very much forward to being able to sit down with you on a more regular basis and continue to grow what we started. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a definitely... Um, people want to listen to it and I'm, i've been like shocked by the amount of people that have like dm'd me like hey when are you gonna bring the podcast back and i was like shit we should and there's so many friends like you know that i've made in the mma world like you know even some of the stuff like i got i didn't talk about on this but like you know it's crazy like i was in michigan on an acacia strain tour with no zodiac and like you know i think this was july mm-hmm. uh before jamal hill's last fight and I got to go do a bunch of rounds with sparring with Jamal Hill. And now like that dude's fucking fighting for the title. Like how crazy is that? You know what I mean? Like I've, I've had so many cool experiences in MMA as a dude who's not like some like fucking super sick pro MMA fighter, just a dude who trains and who shows up and is very sincere and present on the mat or in the cage. When I'm at my training sessions, I've just met like so many cool people and traveling has enabled me to like, really really meet people because mma world with like the martial arts world is kind of like similar to the hardcore world like it's a lot smaller than you think you know mm-hmm. like you can go into a gym in the middle of michigan that you looked up that said jujitsu and jamal hill can be there you know or like we had a at our gym you know there was one friday i came in for amateur sparring and joe lozon was just there you know, he was teaching because he's friends with our head instructor and he was teaching our technique for the amateur stuff. Like, and these are dudes that, you know, you watch on TV. Like, I mean, fuck, like my coach Billy is like killing it right now in the UFC. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, it's just, it's, it's, it's a very small world that I see. There's so much parallel and hardcore. Like if you're going to be in a band and you're going to go on tour, you're going to fucking sacrifice jobs, relationships, you know you have to really want to fucking do it to like make a real run at being a band i'm not talking about like you put a demo out people like it you got you get fly out to play a bunch of fests but i'm saying like 
the lifers, the fucking road dogs, like you're going to fucking give blood. You know, that's like why we named it after that Bane song. You know what I mean? And I see the parallel. Like if you want to make it as a fighter, you're going to sacrifice jobs and relationships and friendships and, and like, you know, partying. I see like, you know, there's like, just, it's, it's very similar to me, the dedication that it takes to do the two of them. Um, and that's why I think that like the, there's a similar type of person and, and Kevin Gallagher, who we had on the show, he's told me that so many times is the kind of person who will do MMA or jujitsu or martial arts. There's a similar kind of person who, who does music. And that's why oftentimes you'll see like some spillover between the two. You'll see dudes who are very active in bands that love martial arts, whether it's competing or training or whether it's just watching it. There's like a, I think it attracts a certain kind of person, especially hardcore because we're the most visceral, hardest music scene that there is. You know what I mean? So why would there not be a parallel to the most visceral and hardest uh, sport that's on television? 100%. Like being uh, a, a part of hardcore and a fan of uh, just mixed martial arts and discovering that there was so much crossover, my mind was always just so blown and I always thought it was so cool because... I always think back to the times where like like I got put onto MMA because of some friends in high school, but my obsession for it like outgrew how much they liked it. So I found myself, uh, you know, ordering a pizza and sitting in my uh, bedroom at my parents house watching WEC in the dark and just being like, this is all I fucking care about. And then just over the years, as it has gotten more popular and not as strange and just uh, finding people that like it just as much as I do, I'm like, this is f so fucking cool. So, and, and, and yeah, just like you said, like just uh, the, so many similarities and uh, just finding that crossover. It's like two things that I absolutely love. Like, obviously I've been into hardcore longer than I've been into mixed martial arts, but I love them just as much. Yeah, I mean, to me, the two, you know, since I found hardcore, it was non-negotiable. It's going to be in my life. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and since I found martial arts, it's non-negotiable. It's going to be in my life. I'll train jujitsu until my limbs don't work. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll still, I'll, I won't fight when I'm 50, but I'll still hit the heavy bag. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's, um, it's just like, now it's part of me it's ingrained in who i am you know what i mean 100 yeah like for me um I'm, I'm the same way like i i constantly uh, you know, listen to people talk about mixed martial arts i'm always watching mixed martial arts i'm watching <laughs> i have a buddy who hit me up and he's just like hey have you heard of this card jitsu thing and i'm like no like what are you talking about and he's like all right he's like let's watch this so we watch this championship match of this uh, this league called Car Jitsu, and ha have you seen it, Josh? I haven't. Okay, so basically they're they're in a car, and um, uh, they you know there's uh this rounds, which is this is crazy. So th th there's rounds, and th there's somebody sitting in the the passenger seat and the driver's seat, and they have to you know buckle in. That, that that's how they you know uh, initiate the round. They buckle in, and the ref says go. And then you have to obviously unbuckle and then get to your opponent and uh, submit them any way you can. Like the the seatbelt's legal. You can use that. You can go to the back seat. It's crazy. And I'm just like, this is, I, I've never heard of this. I don't even know how my friend who he's um, like a, 
he's like a MMA dropout, whatever. He doesn't really follow it anymore. But I was like, what are you doing? He's really into car jitsu. Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing watching <laughs> car jitsu? And he showed it to me and I just started sending it around because this is, I was like, this is crazy. Um, you know what? Instead of watching UFC next time, let's watch car jitsu and talk about it. We'll do a live car jitsu. Oh, I'm, I'm down. I, I got to send you the link to the championship match because the, at the speed at which this guy gets out from, and okay, so round one right the, the driver passenger and then round two they have to switch seats because obviously there's an advantage being in the passenger seat because you don't have the steering wheel in front of you blocking you it's weird i don't know how they came up with this but it's it, it's comical it sounds very funny i'll probably watch one match of it and i'll stick to watching abcc reruns <laughs> i don't really know what uh I'm very perplexed by this. I'm going to have to watch this to really dissect this. You know? Yes. It's it's surprising because I'm like, I don't, I don't even know how they came up with it. Because normal jujitsu is awesome. And uh, in my opinion, way more practical because I don't know how many situations you're going to be in when you're going to have to use your car jujitsu skills. I don't know either. I mean, I, I don't think nothing will make me start training jujitsu in a car. I mean, uh, maybe I'll watch it. Maybe I'll be enlightened. <laughs> maybe I'll become a uh, uh, a disciple of the car jitsu world. You know, you'll be the the, the local champion because I now I'm curious because now that you know about it, you're going to ask people at your local gym. Hey, have you heard of car jitsu? It's going to spread. <laughs> somebody somebody has to know out there. We have we have some guys at the gym who have done those like uh, combat jujitsu shit. We can slap. That's crazy. You can get knocked out in the in those combat jujitsu matches. Yeah, most of them are MMA guys that I've seen do it. So I mean, they're like, "Oh shit, you can always slap." That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, it's scary too because it puts a whole new like layer on it. Because in certain situations, like you're not as safe as you would be in a normal jujitsu match. Oh yeah, in a regular jujitsu match, I like to go super deep half guard. If you can slap me, I'm just laying. I'm just setting myself up to get slapped. I do that so you know it would definitely change everything i have no desire to do a combat jiu-jitsu match okay i, I want to ask you last time we met you had mentioned maybe uh participating in high rollers is that still on the table yeah we had talked about a date but um my opponent or the guy that we had talked about you know uh had some really fucked up family stuff happen so uh, obviously like it's not the time to really press for a match mm-hmm. uh i got and like even before with the match like me and him to talk like he's a dude who's like bigger who was bigger and lost a bunch of weight i'm a dude who's bigger and lost a bunch of weight i like the idea of high roll rollers because if you don't know uh who you follow the podcast i am no longer straight edge and i definitely love weed so i like the idea of high rollers so i could like because it's two things i really enjoy and uh, we had I had hit him up and said, "Hey, let's do this match." They had DM'd me a date, and then he had a bunch of family stuff. So I said, "I'm not going to even bring it up, but mm-hmm. I would definitely like to go on that show this year. It's like definitely on my bucket list for 2023 is to do a match on High Rollers. So yeah, High Rollers, if you're listening, uh, it doesn't have to be the match we talked about. Just give me a match. I want to do it. All right, for sure. That's awesome. And you, you did mention earlier an MMA match. Uh, how much do you train MMA? Like, like other than jujitsu, what else do you train? 
when I'm home, I train Muay Thai every day and Jiu-Jitsu every day. Mm-hmm. And then one, one day a week, I do uh, MMA sparring. So, I mean, I feel pretty ready. I, I help dudes. I mean, I have a broken nose right now, but I was still last night sparring with a dude who has his uh, uh, amateur debut at 215, helping him get ready. Like a bunch of our dudes who have had fights, um, I've been the, like their main sparring partner to get them ready for the, you know the bigger guys. Cause a lot of times you go to MMA gyms, there's not a lot of heavyweights. Mm-hmm. So I've been I've been uh, the sparring partner for a lot of guys getting ready for fights, or you know a handful of guys getting ready for fights. And uh, my coach said if I can give him a you know a date that I want to do it and a full you know fight camp that he feels confident and like. Uh, that's who I trust. Like, you know, cause he's not the kind of guy who would say yes. If he didn't feel good about it, you mm-hmm. know, he's a very much a realistic guy. So yeah. Shout out Billy Q. Cause uh, yeah, I mean, he leads by example. He goes and knocks people out in the UFC and still corners us for local MMA fights is pretty fucking awesome. So I'd love to, while I'm home, cut the weights and do a fight and get to have Billy corner me for an MMA match. It'd be very cool. Yeah, that, that that sounds like a good plan because obviously your ground game is there, and you just got to brush up on everything else. Because have you ever had a, a, a like a Muay Thai fight or a kickboxing fight? Yeah, I've, I fought Muay Thai before. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had smokers that I won, and I had a very very fucked up matchup for my first sanction fight. The guy was, I mean, it's not an excuse. I should have won. I lost. But I got knocked out by a dude that was like a hundred pounds heavier than me and probably like Jeez. seven inches taller. Um, but you live and you learn, you know. Like I said, success and growth is not linear. Like I still don't regret fighting the guy because it was a, it was a much learning experience. I also don't really believe the idea when people say, "Oh, you win or you learn," because like I definitely fucking lost. Mm-hmm. Like there's no getting around it. I lost. I feel like the idea of win or learn kind of like almost takes the um it almost takes the like it's kind of unfair to say to the guy who won oh i just learned today i know like you fucking lost you went in there you tried your best and you learned from your loss but like i believe it's win or lose and that's a choice for you to learn because a lot of people that i say that i've seen like say oh we win or we learn like they do the same fucking shit the next match but they do the same shit the next fight it's like no you lost like it's just a way to sugarcoat it like like i i like to own my l's the same way i like to own my my wins you know what i mean for sure yeah i i, th- I think it's important because for you to sugarcoat it and not actually learn from a loss uh or a, a shortcoming that says a lot because uh uh, there's this quote that my uh, freshman English teacher said, and I've never forgotten it. It's a, uh, a mistake is repeated until it is learned. And I always think about that. Yeah. And I mean, like the thing is like, also though, I don't look at a loss as like this soul crushing thing. Like if you watch like Muay Thai, like in Thailand, these dudes have hundreds of fights mm-hmm. and like they're fighting sometimes a week apart. And, like, the win-loss record isn't the same. Like, it doesn't hold the same, like, value. You know what I mean? Like, to me, like, what would you rather do? Would you rather go 
compete against 20 guys that you know you're better with and you're going to get your fucking hand raised and get your medal or, you know, do it. You know what I'm saying? Like get your like quick instant gratification or would you rather potentially lose against a guy better than you? So you can truly find holes in what you're doing or you can truly find, you know, ways that you can be better. Like if being undefeated is sick, but you know, like I'm not fucking Khabib. You know what I mean? Like I am a 34 year old dude who started doing martial arts when he was 365 pounds and I lost a bunch of weight and I competed masters one and I have a good time, but like I welcome game opponents and there's dudes that I like on paper should have lost to. And I beat, there's also been dudes on paper that I should have fucking smashed and they smashed me, you know? And it's just, it's the way it is. Like, I, uh, I'm thankful that I've won a bunch of matches in jiu-jitsu, but I don't really look at it like a, lo- a loss as anything more than a loss and a learning, like I said, a learning experience. But I'll still say, man, that guy fucking won. Like, when I did that Muay Thai fight, I could easily have been like, well, you know, I, I, it, it was the learning point for me today. It was, yeah, it was a fucking learning point, but it was also a goddamn concussion. <laughs> like, it was also, you know, like uh the the biggest thing that i learned is not to take a a match where i'm so mismatched you know the big that was my biggest takeaway of it all and like but i don't take away the fact that that dude beat me i signed up to do the fight we touched gloves i landed some stuff he landed some stuff and eventually knocked me the fuck out and uh now it's what you do it's like i said like what it's what do we do in that situation do i get knocked out and say like i'm never gonna never gonna train muay thai again or do i say okay like i'd like to get a fight like you know it made me realize like i'm probably more suited for mma than muay thai because i do have jujitsu you know what i mean and i think that's the area where i can actually excel better is mma than muay thai but i still would like to eventually have a muay thai fight and run it back not with him but you know like to to not have my last muay thai fight be a loss but yeah it's like uh it's a definitely uh I don't know. I, I think I just hate that cliche. Yeah. You win or you learn. Yeah. No, I, I get it. Um, I'd rather uh, actually put my skills to the test so I can know where I'm really at. Because it, it, it is true when we think about uh, win loss record. I, I think everything's so skewed because of um, boxing. Because in, in the sport of boxing, right, you have a loss on your record. It's like, oh, that guy's washed up. But I feel like in uh, mixed martial arts and Muay Thai, you can have a couple losses on your record and still be, you know, well respected and even be uh, uh, the greatest. You know, when I think of the goat, I, I think of people like GSP. Uh, he has uh, two losses on his record. John Jones has a loss on his record. Uh, he got disqualified, whatever. But you know, uh, and K- Khabib, he's he's good, but I don't think he's he's the goat. I think there's other fighters better than him. I, I mean, I just think that people. Like, I feel like if Khabib kept fighting, he would have definitely lost eventually. You know what I mean? And that's almost probably, like, why they wanted to protect that legacy. Like, to me, it's like, if you lose, I don't care. Uh But, like, if you lose and you don't come back to the fucking gym, that's when I think that you really lost. Like, when something, when you lose that spark inside of you because of a loss, like, that shit's whack to me. Like... You know, the, the I got knocked out. We drove home, and I was in the gym, and I wasn't allowed to spar, but I was hitting the heavy bag. 
and I was, you know, watching tape and, and, and trying to figure out like, you know, what can I do better? And like, you know, I see dudes that a loss will, I, I see dudes come into like training situations and like, you know, their first tournament or their first match doesn't go how they want it to be. And I never see them compete again. Or their first fight doesn't gonna be a, go how they thought it was going to go. I never see them fight again. Like, yo, dude, like my dude, Travis, I think he might've been on one of our like watching parties before. Like, yo, his first match was fucking brutal and he lost and it, it was what it was, but he got a really fucking good dude for his first MMA fight. And that dude was a fucking dog. And it was the craziest dog fight I've ever seen for an amateur debut of two dudes who were O and O. Like both of them were so fucking skilled. And my dude was marching this guy down with a broken orbital. And eventually the ref called it off. And I think if they would have let him fight the last like two minutes, I think he would have won the fight. Sincerely. But like that dude is still in the gym every day. And he's an incredible martial artist and he's my number one training partner. Like my, my number one go-to, like I, like some days I text him, Hey, are you coming to, are you coming to, to Muay Thai tonight? Like, I swear to God, if you hold pass for someone else, I'm going to fucking hit you. You know what I mean? Like he's like my main dude and a loss never like, yeah, you can, you can be bummed for a second when you lose, but like a loss didn't like make him like give up on the, on, on the, the training or the sport it just made him like sometimes it can ignite a fire under your ass you know what i mean now that dude's one of the slickest motherfuckers in the gym shout out travis 100 percent, yeah because you know, especially when fighters like are earlier in their career you know not like you know uh gsp kamara usman fighters like that they, they didn't start off being you know number one they had to get to that position yeah, and like I mean, I, like even with me, like I have no illusion to grandeur. I mean, I'm never going to be a professional fighter. I want to do an MMA fight because at this point, like I train every day. I might as well do one. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. I think I think jujitsu is kind of like where I like. I I do have aspirations to be good at jujitsu. I have aspirations to to really make a run at jujitsu, and you know, like. I, I'm just a blue belt now, but I will be a black belt one day. There's there's no question in my mind that I will work hard enough and I will get to that position. You know? Um, I, I'm too old to start a, a pro MMA career, but my, my big goal with it all is I can be around the culture. I can encourage people to get off the fucking couch and go do something physical. And then I can be around when a bunch of when my gym just fucking makes when my gym is sending dudes to the UFC, I can be around and I can be helpful and I can be an asset. And that's to me, something that I, I aspire one day to be someone who helps dudes get ready for fights. And you know, I already do that with the amateur guys, you know what I mean? And it's awesome. So I'm just, I'm just, I love the culture. Gracie Tampa South is an incredible place. I'm very thankful that that's where I decided to walk in when I was, 365 pounds and didn't know what the fuck I was looking for. I just stumbled into a place that makes killers. Yeah, that's how it normally goes. I remember when I, uh, and this is what well, was way, way long ago. This is before I even lived in Orange County. When I was training, I went to the gym. I didn't even know it was owned by a USC fighter. 
and it was just really interesting to see how everything was because being such a fan of the sport but then going and then being like holy shit this is uh cub swanson uh you know i watched him the wec i, I was there when he debuted in the ufc it's it, it, was, it was a trip that's awesome yeah it's, it's uh like i said the martial arts world like really is so much smaller than you think like we see these dudes on tv but with the exception of a handful of them like you can walk into a gym in america and they'll be in there you know what i mean dude i live out here and i see like you know fighters randomly and i'm like holy shit that's that's so and so and it's like you know you try to treat them like normal people but excuse me but for me i'm just like i'm like nerding out like holy shit i've watched that person fight and do crazy shit before yeah i mean it's like there's no celebrities in hardcore unfortunately there's definitely celebrities in in sports you know what i mean so it's kind of that's the one area where i think it's a little bit different is like you know in hardcore the biggest band in the world is still just a hardcore it's still a hardcore band you know what i mean the biggest band in the scene is a hardcore band and it's pretty accessible yeah. whereas in mma like you know and for good reason like a lot of like those camps like you know you might see the dudes in there but you're not gonna spar with them because like you don't want someone who wants to say, oh, I fucking spar with this UFC guy and they're trying to knock him out and they land, you know, a fucking wild shot on him and they can't fight or they elbow them on accident or they do some spazzy white belt shit. And then like, you know, like someone gets injured because of stupidity. You don't want that. So I can see why like some of those gyms do have that separation. It's cool that our gym, you know, it's not really there. Like Billy, who's fighting in the UFC, is like coaching the intro to striking class still at our gym, which is crazy to me. That's awesome because I feel like if I was in that intro class, I'm like, holy shit, I'm learning from somebody who's a pro who's in uh, arguably the number one organization in the world. This person is getting a great deal. Yeah, I mean, those do whoever's joined our gym and doesn't realize like what the like the deal like the situation that they are in, how sweet it is. Like that's crazy. Like, like your leader should lead by example, and, and how much more example could that be you know what i mean 100 percent. yeah because he could easily be on his high horse and be like i ain't i ain't training these new jacks no, he's the best he's uh legitimately cares about all the fighters you know he, he cares as his career grows he hasn't got fucking weird he's just you know he's very disciplined and you know if you're gonna fight for him or train with him he wants you to be a, you know where you say you're gonna be and do the things you say you're gonna do but he's an incredible coach we got to have him on the podcast at some point. He's uh, he's the man. He well, does not listen to hardcore, though. He does not come from our world. <laughs> that, they, sometimes that, that that's better because uh, hardcore is awesome. I, I I love hardcore, but it's always interesting meeting people who have no idea what's going on. And we're like so involved. This shit is like, you know, a part of our lives, like 24-7. Yeah, sometimes I've taken people to the gym from it who have no pretext pretense or context of what it is they've been like yo what the fuck do you do like what is this yeah so it's definitely had some weird conversations based on videos i posted or stuff but yeah it's i, I think it's it's pretty funny it's 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 neat to show people from the gym something different you know the same way i love to show people like we do a, you know an open mat at fya where i invite like a bunch of hardcore kids to try jujitsu you know what i mean it's the same thing like 
I like I like that there's a um you know an opportunity for people to engage in something that might not be for them but they can check it out yeah I, I feel like that's the best way to find out you're not into something is just to go try it out because you, you, you'll never know and you might be surprised you might stumble upon something that you're actually into absolutely so what's the the roadmap for this right because here we are with this episode and I don't want to leave the people hanging so we can kind of, you know, give them an idea of what's to come. What do you want to do? Uh, I'd say at least one, but my goal would be two episodes a month. Um, you know, sometimes my life will get hectic. So the frequency might be less or it might even be more depending on, you know, my free time. But I definitely, I, I, I think there's a need for the podcast. I want to do it. It's something that brings me a lot of joy and there's been people who have written to me and said that the podcast has been encouraging to them. So if I can encourage someone, then fuck it. Like let's do it. You know what I mean? hundred percent. No, I'm when I travel and I, and with my friends who are really into jujitsu and they're asking me like, Hey, um, what's up with your podcast? And I'm like, what are you talking about? I, I do it every week. And they're like, no, 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 the, the give blood one. And I'm like, Oh, what? Like you, you're into that. And they're like, yeah, like it was awesome. Like what's up with that? And I'm like, it's not done. Trust me. It's coming back. So to me, that's awesome. Right. Cause obviously, um, it's cool that my friends, uh, who are super into jujitsu are finding these conversations, uh, you know, enjoyable and for them to be asking, cause they never asked me about my normal podcast, but to, for them to reach out and be like, Hey, what's going on with the give blood podcast. That just took me by surprise. Cause uh, I, I didn't know, <coughs> excuse me. I didn't know uh, what kind of impact it was going to have, but yeah, a l- lot of people, uh, you know, especially my jujitsu friends were really into that. So I- I'm happy yeah. to be here. And we've had a lot of guests that have like pretty powerful stories and, you know, are doing really cool shit and like some like i re-listened to a couple of the episodes recently and i was like man like we had some really good conversations and um that's what i want the the big thing is i want the the podcast to showcase like what sacrifice looks like and you know like i've noticed an overarching theme on the podcast from different people that we had on was people got into a really fucking dark space through jujitsu or Muay Thai or MMA, they were able to get out of that because they found what they needed in that community. Obviously, like Kevin says, you know, it's not a replacement for therapy, but it can be a very positive thing for people, you know? And I think that to me, there's an overarching theme. If you listen to the first nine episodes of people being down bad, people being in a situation and the discipline that comes with martial arts kind of giving them the roadmap to uh, get out of the situation that they're in. And I love that. And I think that that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do it again, because that's where I was the last, you know, six months of my life. Like, you know, going from being the most depressed I had been in 10 years to like, getting my shit together and being back in the gym and being, being active again. Like I think there's a need for, you know, us to have these kind of conversations and to talk to people who can share their stories and share what they've been through. And um, also talk about things that are dope because hardcore is dope and martial arts is fucking dope. And so, yeah, I think that, you know, to me, that's the roadmap. Like 
Let's have real conversations. Let's make sure we do it at least once a month, but shoot for two times a month. And um, yeah, like let's be a resource for people to, uh, you know, have hard conversations and discuss the cool shit that are doing in their life and how they've uh, overcame adversity to get to where they are. And hopefully it can be dudes who are involved in hardcore MMA or both, you know? hundred percent. I like that. And I hope everybody who had been asking or reaching out about give blood are just as excited as I am, because this is something they've been wanting to do again. Obviously we, we've talked about it in the time that we've been gone, but this is something that I'm really looking forward to doing again this year. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of cool. Like to also kind of nail down a little bit of an ethos for what we're doing. You know what I mean? And like, uh, you know, cause I realized like, so like, so many people who are doing this shit, they have the same stories, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's, it's pretty interesting to me. Like, yeah, the elements are different, but usually what got them there is strife or adversity. It got them to the point where they are today. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, I think that's just the human experience really. All right. Well, Josh, this has been a pleasure. We, uh, you know, I feel like this is long overdue for you and I, yeah, but I'm, I'm happy we're able to carve out time and make this happen. And I, I'm happy to be able to provide uh, content for people who, you know, have been wondering where we are, wondering what we're doing. So I definitely appreciate you being here today. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate you being my partner in the podcast and uh, always supporting the uh, million things I'm doing in my life. So thank you so much, Jamie. All right. Well, I I appreciate your time. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll be back soon. Goodbye.